Hello, friends. I do hope you recognize that theme song. Uh, This was our theme song when we were on the radio for many, many years. And we are still conducting Let's Talk About Jesus on the World Wide Web. And we pray that, that if you are a return listener, that you will continue to be blessed by the Word of God. You know, the Word of God was given to us that we might have, as David put it, in the Psalms, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. That's what the Word of God was to him. And he talked about that in the Psalms. He said, the entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Uh, You know, there's been many times, I think I've said this before, that I've seen opportunities on the web and in other situations to to try to figure out through a formula and a test you take what your IQ may be. Well, I really don't want to know. It may limit what, what I want to achieve for the Lord if I think that I'm not intellectually capable. But really, it would not, because the Word of God is a an illuminator, and not only to people with great IQs and great intellectual uh, perception, but this is for every single person. The Word of God is so clear, and it it is it is brought to us with the unction of the Holy Spirit Himself. Praise God. I'm going to do my best to, to teach and from the Word of God today on the subject that we're going to announce in a moment. The, the Holy Spirit is going to work with me, and He's going to work on your end to receive it today. And so I'm excited about getting in God's Word because I'm excited about about getting God's Word in me. Hallelujah. And in you today. So thank you for being part of this broadcast. We we pray that we will sustain our broadcast family and that we will all grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in faith as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We're going to be talking about winning the race receiving the crown, winning the race, and receiving the crown. We're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. And let's just believe that God is going to show us what we need to know today to give us an incentive to persevere like we have never persevered before because that's what winning this race of life is all about. It's not about how fast you run. It's not about whether or not you outrun someone else. It's a matter of where whether you run all the way to the finish line. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's not a wind sprint. It is an endurance race. And the scripture is very clear about that. It says, they that endure to the end. 
the same shall be saved. It is important that we get the message of this analogy of running the race of life and winning the crown. What that's really all about spiritually. So stay with us today as we get down in the Word of God and let's see what the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit has to say to us. He said in 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27 Know ye not? that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye might obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just shadow boxing. I know my opponent. Now, I want to identify the opponent here. There's two opponents here, and you have to defeat one in order to defeat the other. (laughs) Listen, the enemy of our soul, the devil, is called the tempter. And the scripture said, let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's led away of his own lust and enticed. Did you hear that? So the next enemy is revealed. In order to defeat the first enemy, the tempter, the devil, we have to defeat the flesh nature that we still have to wrestle with and overcome. So Paul said in verse 27, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That is important. Paul said, regardless of the revelations, regardless of the appointing to be an apostle, the anointing of an apostle, regardless of the visions and the revelations, I have to have a holy, healthy, disciplined self-watch. That's why he said, I... I sanctify myself daily. I I come to God every single day to to give myself away anew and afresh and to commit myself anew and afresh to deny myself, take up my cross and follow Jesus Christ. I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should become a castaway. A friend of mine, this is so very, very important to my victory, to your victory today. So many times the preacher, myself, we we have an anointing to preach and, and we feel like that we are we are above uh, these weaknesses of the flesh that we're talking to other people about and and we lose that healthy introspective self watch that we need to sustain and maintain 
you know the world uh, about us they 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 discipline themselves when they get into a sport uh, uh like the olympics in particular they discipline themselves for that glory of representing their country to bring honor to their country or to just for their personal achievement their personal honor they do it they do it without God's help. They do it without the Holy Spirit, unless they are Christian. They do it without all of the resources that we have in Christ to run this race with perseverance and not to lose the battle. Listen, dear friend, they do it. That is what is so outstanding to me in this scripture. They are able to develop and maintain those disciplines because they have a corruptible crown in view. It's a crown, though, and they want it so bad to achieve that glory for self so much that they are, they are disciplined. Uh, I remember when the first, uh, first man from Africa, I believe it was, when he broke the record years ago in the Olympics for the mile run, and he said he used to get up every morning and run up a very steep hill. Some people may call it a small mountain. And he would run up to the top every single morning and then come back down. And he said, I got so good at running up against the 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 gravity and the and the incline that when i began to run on the straight of way it felt like i could almost fly but he had that disciplined life and paul said if we're going to persevere if we're going to win the crown then we must run the race with the right attitude with the right devotion and the right discipline. Amen. Not many people like that world discipline. But you know, that's the whole, whole, uh, uh, the whole foundation for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It begins with self-denial. That's what Paul is talking about here. I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And then, and only then, can we truly follow Jesus victoriously, consistently. Paul uses the analogy of a race to impress upon Christians the importance of commitment to our Christian walk and, in, and our commitment to Christ in particular, and the reward that awaits those who persevere. Paul likened our Christian life to a race, a race that we must run and finish in order to win the crown. I like what Vince Lombardi, I've been telling this to our congregation, and I want to share it with our, our radio congregation today. Uh, he said, you cannot, to his team, you cannot achieve perfection. For it's unobtainable. But if you chase perfection, you can catch excellence. I really, really like that. You cannot achieve perfection, for it is unobtainable. But if you chase perfection, you can catch excellence. 
and we want to to have Christians uh, come into that place in their devotion to Jesus Christ and their walk with God, that we uh, become excellent disciples of Jesus, not stammering, stumbling, uh, broken down, wishy-washy, double-minded disciples. No, that we become excellent disciples of Jesus Christ and therefore wonderful examples to the world about us of a, div- of a, of a Savior who is worth our total devotion. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is what will bring us to that place that we need to be in to persevere, to go against the grain, to be against the wind in the culture. And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about this this status quo of the church world today when so many people are following Jesus afar off. We don't want to identify too closely with him or else we're going to be uh, persecuted. Uh, We're going to be uh, ostracized. We're going to be uh, uh, marginalized. And we're going to be categorized with something negative or someone negative. Honey, I want you to know today I'd rather be the persecuted, uh, marginalized, (laughs) castigated, (laughs) criticized, identified with Jesus than to be accepted and embraced by a world that is anti-Christ to the core and resist the Holy Spirit at every turn today. There is such resistance to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to the authority of the Word of God. And friend of mine, I want to be counted. I want to be make it very clear where I stand today. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul said. And I'm not ashamed to be identified with those who are committed to following Him. Praise God, because I would rather be right with Him than to be accepted by them. Do you understand what I'm saying today? I'm not saying we all go off to some mountain and become religious monks. Friend of mine, I am saying that we should live a life that is distinctly different from the world about us. We should live our life to follow Jesus Christ all the way in a full-out commitment, born out of devotion, not just emotion from time to time, these intermittent things that we call revival, uh, based on high emotional states without a deep devotion to follow Jesus. Because a true revival doesn't fizzle out after four or five weeks. It doesn't stop abruptly after three months. Uh, It continues to be part and parcel of our life every day, every month, year after year. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. Listen to it. It said, Wherefore seeing also that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
That word patience is not the take a number, get comfortable in a chair, and, and, and just kick back, and, and after a while, no, no, this is perseverance. This is about continued activity. This is not about comfortable passivity. Listen to me carefully. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Listen carefully, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see the focus here, to, to encourage us on, to persevere. The focus is Jesus suffering and dying in our behalf to stimulate and reignite that first love because in the context of that sweetheart love, that first love, that white-hot love relationship that we had with God and with Christ when we first became Christians, it's that love that brings this devotion to follow Him that causes us to persevere, hallelujah, to run with patience, and yes, to lay aside not only those things that are sinful, and we know it's sin, but things that are not categorized as sin. It's called weights, something in the way, something that impedes us from running with perseverance. Oh, there's things in my life that the Bible doesn't say it is sin, but I know that it is not in my best interest. It's not in God's best interest. It's not in my testimony's best interest. It is a hindrance. It is in the way. And devotion will cause us to dig deeper than just something that is an absolute sin and say, you know, this isn't really a sin, but it's keeping me from running like the Bible tells me I need to be running for Jesus Christ. It keeps me from following Jesus in a fully devoted, committed relationship. Oh, friend of mine, this is what we need so desperately today, that we would run with perseverance the race that is set before us. The Apostle Paul had a resolve to run. He had a desire that sustained him and he encourages and challenges us to be like-minded. In Philippians three thirteen through 15, listen to it carefully today. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you were in otherwise minded, God will reveal this unto you. Praise God. Now, this is not sinless perfection, because as Vince Lombardi said about sports, perfection is unobtainable. Ah, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. 
and this perfection, this maturity, this completeness in Jesus Christ is what we should be running full out to achieve. And this is the challenge that God is calling us to. We must be motivated to live for Jesus with a new zeal and resolve, a new devotion and determination. Otherwise, every little thing will cause us to become weary, and if not corrected, will lead to defeat. Listen carefully. Jeremiah 12 and verse 5 says, If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how shall thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? You know what happened when Jordan came over its banks? What would happen was the lions that would wait for prey to come to get water at the Jordan, uh, they would be driven inland and they would begin to attack the sheep and the cattle and the people. And it said, if, you, if, you have, if you've grown weary in the land of peace wherein thou trustest, and they wearied thee, then how will thou do in the swelling of Jordan? If you run with the footmen, how are you going to keep up with the horses? What are you going to do, in other words, when the real test comes, when the trials come? Are you going to fall away? Are you going to cave in? Are you going to give in? Are you going to become faint-hearted? Are you going to look unto Jesus and see Him suffering for you on the cross and fall in love with Him over and over and over again? Dr. Eric Hiv of Cornell University observed that from the moment people decided to concentrate all their energies on one specific objective, they surmounted the most difficult odds. The establishment, he said, of a goal is a key to successful living. The establishment of a goal. What was Paul's goal? He said, I'm running for, to, to, for the prize uh, of the high calling of Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. You see, friends, if we're easily discouraged and defeated by little things, what will we do when the real challenges come? If we do not slay the lion and the bear, how will we contend with the giants in our lives? I believe it's time to run full out, for the prize is prepared, and it is waiting for you and for me. And we need to run with the prize in view. And that's why we're talking about winning the race, winning the prize. Hallelujah. The Greek word for crown here in the New Testament is Stephanus, and it is used 18 times in the New Testament. It referred to the victory garland at a race, also to the sovereign crown that the Roman conqueror wore. And that's what Paul had in mind when he was running full out for the prize or the Stephanos, the crown. Hallelujah. And the greatest crown that we could possibly receive for persevering 
in our faith and in our fidelity to Christ is found in James chapter 1 and verse 12. Listen to it carefully. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that, listen, that love him. You see, the key to victory is discipline, but the discipline is born out of devotion, not emotion, and not just duty for duty's sake. Uh, listen carefully to this. It, when we hear the word discipline, we, we, think of, we think of not eating that second piece of coconut cake, and yet it's so delicious, and we say, no, 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 I cannot do that. that, that and so discipline really, which is so positive in its result in our life, is so negative to apply and think about thinking about dieting, <laughs> the discipline of dieting immediately connotates something we just don't want to have to deal with. But devotion brings a discipline, but it's because that we love and devote ourselves to someone or something beyond ourselves. And this is the devotion that Paul had to Christ, and it is the devotion that we need to have to Jesus Christ. And the scripture said we love him because he first loved us. Because love is stimulated within us. For greater love than this hath no man, Jesus taught, that a man would lay down life for his friends. Listen, he didn't just teach that in a sermon and give a biblical principle to them. He died upon the cross to demonstrate how much he loved them. He suffered like no one has ever suffered. He was beaten almost to death before they ever hung him on the cross and nailed him to the wood. And he hung there for six hours, slowly, painfully, asphyxiating, where he couldn't breathe, literally suffocating in horrible, mind-bending, blinding pain and agony. And he could have come off of that cross. He was not a victim of Rome's authority or Caesar's armies. He was a victim that offered himself, and it was our sin that he was dying for, so that we could be forgiven. That kind of love should stimulate a devotion that brings the necessary disciplines. And we don't even see it as a sacrifice, but an opportunity to show just how much we love him. So blessed is the man, James says in James one twelve, that endures temptation. You see, the man that is tempted but he, his devotion is deep enough that with God's grace that is offered him and God's resources and God's presence and God's power, he's able to persevere even in those times of testings and those times of persecution. And listen, blessed, happy to be envied, this means, is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried... Because if he endures the temptation, he's going to receive the crown. He's going to persevere in spite of it. 
he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them, listen, that love him, that love him. You see, love brings devotion, and devotion brings discipline, and the discipline brings holy endurance, and we persevere. Praise God. We get knocked down, but we get up and we go on. Hallelujah. This is a crown of life, dear friend, eternal life. Don't ever forget what awaits us when this life is over. The crown of life signifies an internal and eternal existence in an eternal place with eternal persons. No more death, no more sickness, no more heartaches forever and ever. Hell has no claim on us, neither does death. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ taught that this crown is worth physically dying for if it became necessary. In Romans 2 and verse 10, to the church of Thyatira, Jesus said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. You see, love produces patient endurance, and none attests their love more that than they who suffer for his sake. And I believe we need a brand new commitment to fidelity, a new resolve to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. And friend of mine, after what Christ has done for you and what he's done for me, if we grasp the very essence of the meaning of grace, unmerited favor, God's riches, the acronym for G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. What does it really mean? What does it really mean to be saved, to be forgiven? And what have we gained? What have we gained when we receive Christ as our Savior, commit ourselves to follow Him in the newness of life? Amen. We gain heaven. We gain eternal life. We gain not just a few more years to this life. We gain life everlasting. And what do we escape? We escape the damnation. We escape the justifiable anger, the wrath of God. We escape the prison house called hell that will hold souls in torment for eternity. Oh, friend, there is a hell to shun, and we shun it the moment we repent and receive Christ as our Savior. And thank God there is a heaven to gain, and we gain it, because the day that you're saved, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you know what that means? That means what the Scripture declares about us as Christians. It says, For our conversation is in heaven. Literally, 
the Greek says our citizenship is in heaven. That means while we're right here in, in their physical bodies, here on the earth, heaven recognizes us already as its citizens. So now is no time to look back. Now is no time to turn back. Now is the time to run full out because Jesus is coming soon. And we need the victory that He has provided us to be the witness, testimony that He wants us to be. Today, if you don't know Jesus, would you join us in this race of life? Would you join us in serving this great, gracious God and this wonderful Savior? Would you repent of your sin and receive Christ? And come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.